thank you, Pastor Alex, for that wonderful introduction. By the way, it's not me who's got an accent. Okay, we've got to get that straight. It's you guys who've got the accents, not me. Okay? Now, how many this morning believe that God can use imperfect people? Practically everyone. So we must have a few perfect people in here this morning. But I'm not one of them. Okay? So Noah had a problem with drink. Abraham was considered too old. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was abused by his brothers. Moses stuttered and was a murderer. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Are we beginning to get the idea, guys? <laughs> Timothy was too young. King David had an affair. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Okay? Don't worry, guys. I'm not going to pre- preach naked this morning. I don't do naked. Okay? Joseph ran from God. Naomi was a widow. Job went bankrupt. Peter was a traitor. Martha worried. The Samaritan woman at the well had five failed marriages. Zacchaeus was too small. The apostle Paul was originally a religious bigot. And finally, Lazarus was dead. Okay, guys, I think we're all alive this morning at the Generation Church. So why not prove it and look at your next door neighbor and tell them that they've got wonderful eyes this morning. Just tell them they've got wonderful eyes. So as Pastor Alex informed you, I'm not actually from America. Okay, you all knew that, didn't you? You all knew I was not from America. And I actually live in a place called Columbia. How many know where Columbia is? I'm sure Raquel knows where Columbia is. Alex knows where Columbia. Because it's in South America, you know. And uh, I've been there quite a few years now. I arrived there on the 1st of August, 1999. I arrived in Latin America in 1995. So I've been on the mission field almost 20 years. That's good, isn't it? 20 years on the mission field. But I, my life did not originate in Colombia. My life originated, unlike what Pastor Alex said, I come from that wonderful, amazing, fantastic city of Hull. And we drop the H, so we just call it, come on, Chuck, all without the H. Okay, guys? And I'm from a, a large family. I'm the youngest of 11 kids, Alex. Nine boys and two girls. Can anyone beat that this morning at the Generation Church? Is there anyone who's got more than 11 in their family? So I, I guess I win the prize again. My dad... He was a, a kind of deep-sea fisherman. Uh, and these deep-sea fishermen used to go to 
cold climates like Iceland, Greenland, Bear Island, Spitsbergen, the White Sea, Labrador. I know you've never heard of any of those places, but believe you me, they are very cold, alienated places. And invariably, when my dad came home from sea, he used to drink. My dad was a very, very heavy drinker indeed. In fact, he was an alcoholic. And uh, my sister, Mary, actually told me a story only a few years ago, really. And she said, Dave, uh, when your mother, who was nearly 50 years old at the time, so there's hope for some, some of you guys yet, okay? My mother was nearly 50 years old. She was eight months pregnant with me. And my dad who'd been drinking, actually kicked her down the stairs. So she's laid at the bottom of the stairs, losing blood or losing me. They got my, my mum to the, to the hospital, and the doctor said it's a miracle that this baby is still alive. Now, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1, verse 4, and that God chose us before the beginning of creation. Is that true? God knew all about us even whilst we were still in our mother's wombs. Isn't that a fantastic thing to be old? That God knew all about us even before creation began. So I believe that God was looking after me, you know, even whilst I was there in my mother's womb. When I was 15, I, I kind of left school at 15, no academic ability, no qualifications. And I went to sea like my dad. Because in those days when your dad said you're going to go to sea, you went to sea. Okay? And like my dad, I became a drinker. I was a very heavy drinker. I drank more than any of the other guys. I used to actually mix Brasso, that stuff that you clean brass work with, with aftershave lotion. I used to mix it together and drink. And it was a very, very good quality of aftershave lotion. It was not like this stuff Pastor Alex uses. It was good stuff. Okay, guys? So can you imagine some of the conditions that I used to get into after drinking one of these concoctions? And it was at the age of 16 when I was drunk and I attacked the captain of the ship and I was sent to prison for the first time at 16 years of age. Now, we were in England at the time, they had these prisons, these um, Victorian antiquated prisons like Manchester, Strangeways, and Leeds. And I was in Armley Prison, Leeds. Five guys to the cell, no restrooms or anything like that. So you would have thought by being subjected to these conditions, I would never have gone in prison again. Okay? But I did. A kind of cycle set in of crime, drugs, prisons, and stuff like that. I knew what the meaning of hard work was. I was always working hard, but every now and again, I'd always do some dumb thing. Okay, guys? So I left the fishing industry behind. I went in the British Merchant Navy. Come on, Alex. The British Merchant Navy. But then all those ships in, in Annapolis, we went there yesterday. So there I was traveling all around the world. There's not a continent that I've not been to. I was actually in Australia before Hillsongs. Can you believe that? <laughs> so there I was, 
good life. I'd stopped drinking, but I got involved in drugs. It all started off very innocently, smoking some marijuana and taking LSD. But I can assure you that one drug does lead on to another. And, uh, you know, I had some terrible, terrible times with drugs. Anyway, I got through all that, praise God. So 1988, I've left the fishing industry behind. You know, I've left the merchant navy behind. I was on oil rigs, okay? 1980, I was on oil rigs, earning over $1,500 a week on oil rigs in 1980. So that was a lot of money in 1980. And it's a lot of money today, isn't it? And I was able to buy myself a, a business. I owned the business, lock, stock, and barrel. I had thousands of dollars in the bank. I owned I own my own yacht in uh, Port Andrach in Mallorca. It was a 30-foot yacht, bigger than Alex's yacht. 30-foot, five-berth yacht, okay? I was living the life of Riley, as we say in the UK. But, you know, I had a problem at that time. It, it wasn't drugs, uh, it wasn't drink, it, it wa wasn't women, it was greed. Money was my God. Okay, guys? Money catered for all the basic insecurities that I had in my life at that time. So in 1998, I came back from Mallorca, and I got involved in a crime or a type of crime that I'd never been involved in before. And it was a conspiracy to take some money. Now, I know you're thinking, hang on. He had thousands of dollars in the bank. He owned his own business, lock, stock, and barrel. He had his own yacht in Mallorca. It must have been for a, an incredible amount of money that he was conspiring to take. Do you know how much money it was for? Have a guess. How much money? You, you don't know. I'm going to tell you. $600, okay? $600 wouldn't have made any difference to my life in any way, shape, or form. But I couldn't resist the temptation of getting something for nothing. So in 1988, I was sentenced to four years in prison for this conspiracy because in the English judicial system, the word conspiracy is very, very bad. Okay? So there I was in prison doing four years, and I thought, why did I do what I did? Okay? Romans 7, verse 15 says, I don't understand what I do, for instead of doing the things that I want to do, I always end up doing the things that I ate. Can anyone relate to that this morning? I think we all can, can't we? And that was me. I believed I was a good person. I tried to do the right thing, yet somehow I always ended up doing the wrong thing. Okay? So one week, I decided to go to the prison chaplaincy or the church in the prison. Okay? I'd never been in a church in my life. My parents had never told me anything about religion. When my dad died, they buried him a Catholic. And that was the first we knew that he'd ever been a Catholic. Okay? So I knew nothing about religion. So I goes in this 
chaplaincy. It's a, an Anglican traditional chaplaincy. No one ever got excited in that chaplaincy. Okay, guys, if they got really excited, they used to raise their heels about two inches like that. That's if they really, 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 really got excited. So there was the prison chaplain preaching the word of God. So that was good. He was there in his robes and stuff like that. But I've got to tell you that everything what the chaplain said that day went completely over my head. I didn't understand any of it. And it was difficult to get things over my head in those days because I had air like Bob Marley at the time. But it did go over my head. But what I did do was I enjoyed the peace that I found in that place. How many are looking for peace this morning? We're all looking for the peace that transforms all understanding, aren't we, guys? And I guess I didn't know it at the time, but I was searching for that peace. So there I am in the prison. I'm attending the chaplaincy, but at the same time, I'm still smoking marijuana in the prison. I'm still reading Eastern philosophies and Eastern ideologies. I knew all about yin-yang and the balance of life. I even read the Chinese book of the Red Book. You know, the Red Book, what they used to, all the Chinese had to read. I read that book as well. And I got to tell you that that Red Book didn't do anything to change my life. But then I picked up another book. Now, everyone here, you all know that the Bible is the most read book in the English language, don't you? You all knew that, didn't you? Well, some of you are nodding, so you knew that. But do you know what the second most read book is in the English language? It was John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. Okay, guys? It's been translated into over 80 different languages. You know, it's an incredible book, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And, you know, I thank God that I read it. I'm teaching my kids uh, that book now in Spanish, El Progreso del Peregrino, a wonderful book. Bunyan wrote that book when he was in Bedford Jail in England in about 1850 or something like that. He wasn't, he wasn't in prison for conspiring to take $600, John Bunyan, okay? He was in prison uh, for extending the kingdom of God here on planet Earth. Okay, guys? In other words, evangelism. So there was Bunyan, praise God. He, he had this chapter in the book called Vanity Fair. Has anyone ever read that book in this place this morning? Pilgrim's Progress. Pastor Alex has. Chuck has. So if you remember Pastor Alex in Vanity Fair, you know, reading that chapter, I, I was beginning to understand what a vain, conceited, selfish person I had become in my life. Everything in my life up to that point, anything that was truly of any value, I'd allowed it to slide through my fingers for the love of money or for some other selfish motive. So I thank God for Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress and I, I really recommend it to anyone. You can read the Bible if you like, till you're blue in the face. You can read 
Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. You can come to Generation Church every Sunday until the cows come home. But none of those things are going to make you a Christian. Is that right? Of course it isn't. We have to make a personal decision for ourselves. Well, on the 24th day of December, 1988, uh, an interesting thing happened to me. I went to bed in my prison cell. I woke up about four o'clock in the morning. And when I woke up, I felt this tremendous presence all around me. And at that precise moment, I knew that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I say Jesus Christ of Nazareth, because in biblical times, there were many Jesus Christs, but there was only one Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Okay, guys, when I woke up, I felt this presence, and I knew that Jesus had died on the cross at Calvary for me. I simply said, I was sorry for all the wrong things that I'd done in my life. In other words, I repented of my sin. I said, Jesus, if you are real, come into my heart right now. And guess what happened, sir? He did. Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. Jesus is with us this morning listening to every word that we're uttering here at the Generation Church. I fell asleep and I woke up (coughs) and the next day I was a brand new person. Okay, guys? I had no idea what a spiritual rebirth was. I had no idea what a born-again Christian was. All I knew was that I was a different person. Now, the Bible tells us in John 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Is that right, guys? That's how it happened for me. A Damascus Road-type conversion. But it doesn't happen for everyone. Uh, it doesn't happen like that for everyone, does it? For most people, you kind of have your kids. You take your kids to the church, to the Sunday school, and they're going to the youth. And one day you're praying that they will make a decision for Christ. So I thank God, okay, that I had that Damascus Road conversion because I know know who I am today. I know where I came from. And most importantly, I know where I'm going in the future. So... Basically, I'm still there in the prison and, and, and I kind of wanted to know what comes next because we all know in Christianity, something always comes next. Is that right, guys? So I was praying for direction, just like my friend here. My friend's always praying for direction every night before you go to bed. You're praying for direction, aren't you? She's kind of nodding and smiling, so it must be true. I was praying for direction and I believe that the Lord was leading me into education. Now, I'd left school at 15, no academic ability, no qualifications, but I was convinced, because you know when you know when you know, don't you guys? And and I was convinced it was education that, that God wanted me to get into. 
So I started studying the basics. Not a bad place to start at the basics, isn't it? You know, it never ceases to amaze me the amount of Christians who know nothing about the basics. They want to know about hermeneutics and stuff like that. But the basics are the most important thing you need on your Christian journey. Okay, guys? So I started studying. And then I was released from prison. I did two years of the four years. I got, I got out on the 8th of August, 1990. And, and I went to university. That's good, isn't it? I sold my yacht. I don't have the yacht now, Alex. Calm down. Okay. Sold the yacht, got rid of my business and stuff like that, and went to uni. I went to uni in that wonderful city of, come on, you got it, Hull. <laughs> so I did a thing called Applied Social Sciences, which is a mixture of sociology, psychology, and the law in the social context. I came out of university with an honors degree. Okay, guys? So I believe that God used me to break the myth of academia. Because if I can get a degree, anyone can get one. And I've got to confess, I never actually read one book all the way through while I was at uni. I was out evangelizing. But don't do that when you're at uni, okay? Don't take your example from me. So that was great. While I was at university, around May 1991, I had a dream. We all believe in dreams, don't we? Of course we do. Um, Joel 2, chapter 2, verse 28 says, In in the final days, God is going to pour out his spirit. Old men will have dreams and young men will have visions. So if I was considered an old man in 1991 because I had a dream, what does that make me today? (laughs) Some people say ancient, okay? So in this dream, I was actually coming in over the northern tip of South America, which incorporates the countries of Venezuela, Colombia, and Ecuador. And I was coming in right over Colombia. I was high up in the clouds. I knew it was the northern tip of South America because I I could actually see the map, and and I'm good at reading maps. So I'm coming in over Colombia, and all I remember was masses and masses and masses of storm clouds gathering over Colombia. I woke up, And I immediately knew that that's where God wanted me to be. Okay, guys? So what do you do when you've had a dream or a vision or a word from God? What do you do the next day? You go and tell your pastor. Of course you do. He's your spiritual authority. And I went and told my pastor. He's a friend of Alex's dad. And he's from uh, Wales as well, you know. And, and I said, you know, David, I've had a dream. I, b- I believe that God wants me to go to Columbia. But if you know anything about pastors, uh, and I'm one myself, okay, you'll know that pastors are different from any other human beings here on planet Earth. You kind of say something, it goes in one ear and comes right out the other. How many know I'm joking? Pastors are going to listen to you. Pastors are going to give you guidance and wisdom. And... and David Cooper, who was my pastor, he said, Dave, I, I want you to apply to the assemblies of God to be a missionary. And I said, who are the assemblies of God? He said, we are. Okay. So I did apply. And basically, they said I was too old at the time. They give us a knockback. So knockbacks are not good, are they? 
you know, we, we kind of get hurt in our spirits, you know, and we, we feel a bit of bitterness and stuff like that. But, but I got through that. Okay, because bitterness is not a good thing to have in your life, guys. My sister, who I mentioned earlier, now she's a really, really, really good person. She used to work at Eton College. You know where the royal boys, uh, William and Harry, were at Eton College for years? My sister's claim to fame is that the royal boys, William and Harry, had to call her mom. That's my sister's claim to fame. Okay? So she's a good woman. She cleans the Methodist church out in her village. But she cannot receive Christ as her saviour because of this bitterness. Bitterness, in actual fact, is worse than a physiological cancer. It's a spiritual cancer. And it's going to eat away at you from the inside and rob you of all the good things that God has got planned for your lives. So I'm praying that my sister somehow is going to get rid of that bitterness so she can receive the prize and be in heaven with the Lord one day. So don't allow bitterness, guys, to ruin your lives. If there's anyone who suspects that they've got some bitterness this morning, uh, we need to pray, and I certainly will pray if you want me to later on about that. So eventually, this guy called Andrew Belfield, he was a son of a pastor, a son of a missions director. He, he kind of rang me one day, you know, like they do out the blue. Uh, and he said, Dave, I want to meet with you. And we sat down. It was not Starbucks. It's somewhere where you could get a decent cup of English tea. Okay, mate? So we're having a decent cup of English tea. And he said, after about five minutes, we've been chatting. He said, Dave, I believe you've got a gift in communication and that doors are going to open at the highest level for you. Okay, he said, consider yourself now a missionary. So that was good. So I eventually, in 1995, the end of 1995, went to a place called San Jose, Costa Rica. I went to learn Spanish, because if you're going to work as a missionary, you've got to know the lingo, haven't you? Of course you have. And I studied something called missiology, which is not an Eastern cult. It is the study of missions. Of course it is. And I thank God that I was able to study missiology, because I began to learn a little bit about the, the area where God wanted me to work in, Latin America. And I realized that Kind of 150 years ago, these brave men and women went out on horseback and donkeys. They went to Bolivia. They went to Nicaragua. They went to Honduras. They went to all these places and sacrificed their lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were martyrs to the cause. I thought, wow, they, they have dug the wells that we're going to drink for, missiologically speaking, today. So that was good. I learned a little bit about the history of the place where I was going to. Then I went to Guatemala. I was director of evangelism in Guatemala for Teen Challenge. Has anyone ever read of Teen Challenge? Of course, Teen Challenge, founded by Brother David Wilkinson about 1958. There he is, sat in his rural chaplaincy in Pennsylvania. And God spoke to David Wilkinson. He said, David, I want you to go to New York City and I want you to minister to the drug addicts and alcoholics. And guess what David Wilkinson said? He said, Lord, 
I can't go to New York City. I'm just used to being in this small rural, um, you know, place, this parish. New York City's got 10 million people. No way can I go there. So God, who is a good God, and who is a God of the second opportunity, God said to David Wilkinson again, go to New York City. And of course, the second time round, he was obedient. I like that word, obedient. He was obedient to the word of God. And because of one man's obedience, literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of drug addicts and alcoholics have been set free from the chains of hell. Okay? Because of one man's obedience. When God said to me, David Taylor, go to Columbia, wild horses could not have stopped me eventually ending up one day in the country of my destiny. Okay, I love that word, Alex, destiny. And, and I did arrive. I arrived in 1999, you know, just, just basically one small bag and a Manchester United shirt. That's all I had. Me, me and Alex are Manchester United soccer supporters. I thought I had to mention that to please him. Look, he's smiling. You know... What was I going to do? I had little in the way of finances. But, you know, God brings people to you. And I started teaching about three or four kids in this small tin hut, uh, Bible studies, and, and then we got some money, started feeding them. And God has exponentially kind of uh, improved or expanded our work. Uh, I'm aware of the time, so I'm going to tell you quickly about Columbia, I want to show a short video. It's about three minutes. And then I'm going to share you one or two more stories about Columbia. Are we good for that? <laughs> a package full of wishes. A time machine, a magic wand, a globe made out of gold. No instructions or commandments. Laws of gravity or in decisions to uphold Printed on the box I see Acme's build a world to be Take a chance, grab a piece Help me to believe it What kind of world do you want? Think anything Let's start at the start Build a master you wish for History starts now Our worship group in
Thank you, guys. So that gave you a kind of idea, you know, through the visuals about what we do. Um, you know, we started with just those th few kids in that tin hut, and God is good. You know, how many know that God is in the business of multiplying the fruits of the labor of our hands? Okay, guys? And if you're faithful, you can be guaranteed that God is going to bless you. And God has blessed our ministry in Colombia. We've now got close to 2,000 kids in Christian education. Okay? We feed those kids you know, on a regular basis, depending on the exchange rates and the strength of the dollar and the pound and stuff like that. We have an health plan for the kids. You know, we have a resident nurse. We have eight doctors come down from Florida East Hospital in Orlando every year. And last year they saw... What was it, 1,680 kids, Chuck? Something like that. So, you know, I could go on and on and on, and, and time does not permit me to do that, although I can speak for a long time because I have the gift of the gab, you know, <laughs> um, but I'm not going to do that. Um, many success stories. Kids now coming out of uh, the Oasis Desperanza School because that's Columbia Childcare in, in Columbia. And, and they're graduating, going on to uni to become dental surgeons, to become, you know, lawyers, uh, to become professional people. Perhaps some of them are going to be evangelists, pastors. That's a culmination of the part of the dream that I had from God. Okay, guys. But, of course, Pastor Alex will tell you um, that, you know, success doesn't come without a price, does it? Uh, and I've had... A few scary moments in Colombia, to say the least. One day I woke up, well, four robbers woke me up around my bedside, and the robbers were taking all my belongings, okay? Now, when I woke up, I guess the logical thing to do would have been to be scared and said, don't touch an air on my head. You know, you can take everything that I've got. But I didn't do that because I studied psychology at uni. So I decided to exercise some alternative psychology and I started screaming and shouting saying, I'm gonna kill you la, 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 la. you know and guess what all these four robbers ran but the next thing that I did was not the most intelligent thing that I've ever done I actually ran after them in just my jockey shorts okay guys I got to the bottom of the stairs and a scorpion bit me okay so I'm running al along and my, my tongue went numb and my 
all the power went out of my arms and my legs and I collapsed. So we had this YU Indian tribe guy living at the back of the house and he finally found me and took me to the clinic and they gave me a lot of injections and stuff like that. Uh, and I came round. I was a bit traumatized for a few days. You know, I was asking God, are you sure I'm the right place? I am the right person in the right place at the right time. And of course he did, he convinced me. He sent the ravens and fed me and stuff like that, okay? Um, a friend of mine, Judy Grainer, who was a PhD, uh, an AG missionary in Colombia, a very, very traditional, very conservative type person who never makes any utterances that are going to, you know, outrage anyone or stuff like that. She rang me and she said, Dave, I've had a little vision. I thought, well, that's nice for you, Judy. What, is your, what was your vision about? She said, my vision was that those guys who you were chasing after when you got robbed, they were all armed with guns and they were going to shoot you if you'd have gone a few steps further. So I believe that God was supernaturally looking after me. On another occasion, I was in this church called Centro Biblico Rodadero, and there was an Argentine evangelist. Okay, guys, I love Argentine evangelists. You know why? Because they shout louder than I do. They're always saying, Gloria a Dios! Hallelujah! So I'm enjoying this Argentine evangelist. And God said to me, go to your car, go to your vehicle. And I thought, wow, that's unusual. But I am always obedient to what God tells me. And God's always speaking to me. Uh, and God's always speaking to you guys as well. The question is, are you listening? Come on. So I went to my car and there's like this big guy stood near my car. He was about seven foot. He was taller than LeBron James or, or about as tall as Tim Duncan. And I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan, by the way. Uh, so there he was, stood near my car. So I went to my car, put the key in the door and opened the door. And I could smell evil. Okay? Because I can smell evil. I know when the enemy is around. So I closed the door and I went to the back door. <clears throat> and I lifted the back door up. And there's another guy crouched in my vehicle. Well, I became angry. Because it's okay to be angry, isn't it? Jesus became angry. There's a word known as righteous angriness. Is, is that a word? I'm not quite sure. But anyhow, near enough, I became angry. And I got this guy. And I, I got this guy and I picked him up and I threw him about 25 yards. I just remember him sailing through the air like that. And, and he, at the end he went... Boom! On the floor. And I thought, wow, what happened there? You know, I'm not a strong guy. That was a supernatural occurrence. And he slivered off like a lizard. I don't even know if he was a human being. And the big seven-foot LeBron James, kind of look-alike, he, he ran off as fast as he could. So that is just an illustration. I've got many more kind of little stories I could tell you, but I know you, we've got to get finished, guys. So I just want to thank Generation Church for their faithfulness and their support to us. You support us, guys. Probably some of you didn't know, but you do support us on a monthly basis. And without your support, we could not do what we're doing right now. So I want to thank you for that. I want to say to you, you know, if you are, seeking God, and you are seeking God about what comes next, you know, then I pray that 
He's going to reveal himself to you. Okay? Because we can't, you know, God has got to reveal himself to us. We can't demand it. You know, we just have to pray and say, God, will you do that? So my prayer for each and every one of you this morning is that you are going to go further with God. You're going to, you're going to learn the most important lessons, which actually are the basics. Okay? And I just thank you. I ask you to possibly take one of these brochures that are around the um, room this morning. $25 a month will educate a child, feed a child, have a, an health plan for the child. We also have extras like sports academies. Any, any child can be in our sports academy as long as he supports Manchester United. Okay, it's as simple as that. Great worship this morning, wasn't it, guys? Our worship bank, because I'm a church planter as well, I don't only have the foundation, we have seven projects, but I'm also a church planter. And Oasis Desperanza Church, if, if you come to our church, all, all the worship band are about 11, 12 years old, okay? The, the bass guitar is bigger than the bass guitarist. So I passionately believe in music. I don't have a musical bone in my body, but I do appreciate others, Raquel especially, you know, incredible voice this morning. So... Do get behind us, guys. Sponsor a child, and God bless you.